This is Better Benefits, a podcast from the team at Brella Insurance. We're talking about how to use employee benefits to build a world where health hardships don't create financial burdens. If you're a broker or employer looking for fresh ideas and new products employees will actually use, this show's for you. Hi there, I'm Laura Cave, Head of Marketing here at Brella, and I'm here with my Chief Revenue Officer, Mike Zarillo, for Better Benefits, Episode 22. Today, our guest is Ed Buckley, CEO of PeerFit. With nearly 15 years in the fitness industry and a background in digital health behavior research, Ed designed a new corporate wellness benefit that is designed to be used. Mike, what's the word on the street about PeerFit, and, and how did you get connected to Ed? Yeah. Hey, Laura. Uh, great to be together again for another episode. And and I think our audience is going to really love the, the PureFit story and how they're uh, bringing a really relevant solution to employees today. You know, I connected in, I've known about PureFit for a number of years and, and have connected in with their chief growth officer not too long ago. And we were just chatting about the world of benefits and what we're doing. And, and that discussion very quickly realized that they'd be a great guest on the podcast. So, you know, I think it's nice to, to have an episode here where we're going to talk about something that's not necessarily an insurance product, right? We're, we're really sort of talking about what happens to be a pretty hot topic right now in, in employee benefits, and that's wellness. And with all the changes over the last year and, and so many folks talking about managing their stress levels or, or maybe the pounds that they've put on during quarantine, wellness benefits are top of mind for employers and their teams. And you know, we, we've all got excited about that new gym membership or maybe a program that we're going to start to bring some wellness to our lives. And, and then maybe over time, that excitement fades and wellness benefits can be underutilized. And I think what Ed and the team at PeerFit have done is design a program that uses technology and flexible fitness options to get people to actually be more active on a regular and a consistent basis. So I don't want to steal any more of Ed's thunder We'll let him explain how it all works, but I think a wellness program that has the benefits of being tied to employee engagement and keeping that train moving in a positive direction is is pretty exciting. Great. Well, let's go ahead and introduce Ed. As I mentioned earlier, Ed is CEO of PureFit, a digital health technology company that uses digital health behavior research and tech to deliver a corporate wellness benefit that gets employees inspired to work out. I think we're all going to be inspired to work out after this podcast. <laughs> so Ed has a PhD from the University of Florida and over 15 years experience in the fitness industry. So welcome to the show, Ed. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on episode 22. Very uh, exciting. So looking forward to it. Yeah. So Ed, tell us a little bit. I love, I love sort of, we love starting the, uh, the podcast with this question. Tell us a little bit about your, your journey and, and how you got to today with PeerFit and what led you to create uh, a corporate wellness benefit like this. Great question. A lot of variables that went into it. I mean, you can think all the way back to my childhood. I had parents that loved physical activity. We were always very active. And, you know, I'm sure that put its fingerprint on, you know, my passion for it. And then while I was going to school, always having one foot in working at gyms and studios, as well as one foot in the academic side, learning about what was, you know, really driving people's motivations to stay active, even, you know, when maybe fitness wasn't 
the thing they liked the most, but they knew that they needed to do it. So as you mentioned, right, everyone has the January spike, but how do you keep people coming back? And just having, you know, a foot in each lane really helped me see, I think, probably the the larger picture here. And, you know, here him creating PeerFit and really even the name kind of speaks to that, right? It isn't so much about the fitness part. It's all about you and your peers. And we know that if we can get you and, you know, your small pod of three to five people more active, it'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy that you'll become more active, right? The, the people around you have more to do with your fitness habits than really your own decision-making. So it's kind of an interesting phenomenon. And, you know, when we got started, wellness was such an eye roll moment, right? You had that kind of initial wellness trend in the early 2000s. And it didn't really involve technology. It didn't really involve automation. It was just worksite wellness. And unfortunately, you took a, you know, all these HR professionals who had no experience in wellness and they just said, oh, this sounds like an HR thing. Hey, Susie in HR, this is your job now too. And so, you know, we saw the opportunity of you get into the 20 teens. Technology is more ubiquitous from a mobile perspective. You can automate things, the rise of boutique studios, aka a fractured fitness environment. And, you know, we saw the opportunity to come in and really attack head on this stereotype that wellness was stale. And here we are 10 years later, you know, more than 16,000 employers across the country. We've now gone into group retirement and Medicare Advantage and MedSup. So we really expanded this idea of flexible, fully funded fitness. Interesting. That's really interesting. And so you touched on a couple of these things that were actually part of my next question, which is, can you kind of talk us through some of the problems with wellness benefits today? Oh, yeah. I think they have a lot of the same problems that you know they had 10 years ago, which is when you try to go super cookie cutter approach, which I understand, right, you do from a scaling perspective, you really miss the opportunity that wellness, fitness, physical activity, health is hyper personal and hyper personalized. And what motivates people is a slightly different, you know, titration for one person than it is for another. I mean, I I think the three of us, right, Mike, Laura, myself, three people, I think we all probably understand that physical activity is good for us, that we should do it. But I bet we have vastly different routines and habits of how often we exercise. And I bet we are influenced and triggered by vastly different things. And so unfortunately, the knowledge on the behavioral wellness side and then the knowledge of what it takes to do distribution in an employer market are two different circles. There's really a small Venn diagram, right? You could have a great technology company that understands how to drive people's behavior, but they're no way set up to deal with the bureaucracy of employers, health plans, HR departments. Or you, this is what you see, because you're already in that HR employer health plan space, right? You, they, they just churn out some cookie cutter product because they're in. And then what gets pushed out to people is kind of a one size fits all approach. You know, we weren't in this space. We came at it with fresh eyes, probably naive eyes, but we came about it really understanding 
where the fitness industry was going. We had a lot of our staff in that space. We really saw what people were doing on the ground, right out in the field. What's the, the heartland of America doing? And then along the way, we went out and brought people into the organization who could help get us through the bureaucracy. Mike mentioned our chief growth officer. Shout out to, to Todd Slaughter. That's who he's mentioning. There's like no one in the industry who knows more people. He is the seven, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon of the insurance and benefits industry is, is Todd Slaughter. Everywhere I travel with him, I meet someone and everyone says, oh, Todd's my best friend. So Todd's got a lot of best friends out there. And, you know, when we were able to marry the two sides, like I said, it's a pretty thin sliced Venn diagram of understanding technology and wellness behavior and being able to withstand the, the pressures of the bureaucracy of what it takes to distribute in this industry. Yeah. And I, I love that. I mean, I, you know, you're, you're kind of speaking my love language on this topic because, you know, as the distribution guy here at Brella, right. I mean, th there are so many ways in which you can take a solution or, or a, a program like this and, and get it into the hands of users. But I, I commend you for how you kind of went about it using a little bit of your, your, your backstory there. First off, going into it with those naive eyes, I think that's an incredibly powerful, you know, sort of tool, right? Because you, you are learning things and seeing things that without any bias going into it, and that can, that can clearly, you know, drive, uh, you know, drive the organization forward. So, so good stuff there. You know, I, I want to touch on two things, maybe ask you to just dig a little deeper. One was you'd mentioned this term. I hadn't heard it. And, and I just, Thought maybe for our audience, it might be interesting to have you expand this concept of fractured fitness. Can you dig a little bit on that just for our folks that are listening in? Yeah, you're going to hear a lot of F words come out of my mouth here in the next minute, but I assure you, none of them will be beeped out. Uh, <laughs> okay. So we think of uh, two kind of alliterative Fs here, right? Which is fully funded fitness. And then there's fractured fitness. So let's use the first one, which is 20 years ago the fitness industry was essentially big box gyms, right? And when I, when I say, you know, box gyms or class-based, you know, boutique studios, I'm not speaking positively or negatively about either, right? I'm just speaking kind of factually. The, the market was dominated by, you know, the LA fitnesses and the planet fitnesses. Mm -hmm. think, think of a, a traditional and, big box, right? right? Crunch, yeah, yeah, traditional big box. And it was a one-stop shop going back to one size fits all for distribution. They realized that, to scale nationwide, let's just put everything under one roof. Let's do some small group classes. Let's do treadmills. Let's do cycling pools, right? There was that something for everyone, but the quality was kind of middle of the road, right? None of them were great or bad, but we'll give you good quality. Then when we hit the 2000s, you saw the rise of boutique studios. So a studio that only has one specialty, just yoga, just Pilates, just CrossFit right? And you saw this just massive expansion, thousands and thousands of locations opening across the industry. Well, that made it incredibly difficult to seamlessly go throughout all of them, right? Because before you could say, well, if I'm a, you know, LA Fitness or Crunch or 24-hour fitness member, I can get a membership. And while I can't go everywhere to every brand, I know that I've got enough locations from this brand because, you know, LA Fitness has X number of locations, 24-hour has X number of locations. When boutiques came about, you know, you're going to spend two to three times the amount of money to join one place, one style. And so you really had this interesting kind of two worlds of fitness going on where the world was very fractured. Laura might have a membership to Yoga Studio X. 
And then Mike has one to CrossFit Studio Y, and I have one to CrossFit Studio B. So none of us can exercise together, right? It made things very fractured. And so when you looked at what employers and health plans were looking at, it was just too much, right? They're not in the business of building a fitness network. They're really, they're in the business of building networks for, you know, hospitals and, and health services. So what we were able to come in and do was build a network to some extent of all of these different places, both studios and gyms and streaming, which turned out to be pretty useful come 2020, right? And then what we did was to say, let's turn the idea on its head, which was always, let's ask our employees or members to pay the membership up front. Then if they go X amount of times and they submit some sort of faxed or scanned receipt, we'll give them $10 back or $15 back. And they wonder why very few people took them up on this offer. A, it was completely ludicrous if you're trying to get the middle of the road people, and B, it was incredibly cumbersome. So we went and said, well, if we've united this fractured market, what if we made it fully funded? I.e., Laura, I'm going to basically pay for you to go you know, a moderate amount of times. If you want to be a power user, then you can pay above and beyond that, right? But for the average person who just wants to go once or twice a week, we gotcha. And that's what we saw as one of the biggest barriers for individuals was, A, can we make them and their coworkers all have universal access to the same places? So no excuse about that anymore. And then B, can we basically go ahead and pay for the average use, which is one to twice a week to all of these different places? Now, when Mike, Laura, and I are sitting in the office, I can say, well, where do you guys want to go today? You guys want to go do kickboxing? Sure. No excuse over payment. No excuse over one person doesn't have a membership there, right? No excuse that there's physical paperwork or reimbursements. It's all, boom, off of your app and, and you know go and run it. So that was really what we were trying to do was eliminate as many of these barriers that are put in front of people, i.e. excuses, right? We all have excuses. Let's get rid of as many of the external ones. You always have the internal ones, which are, do I feel motivated? Do I feel tired? And what we assumed was that peer-to-peer interaction could help be the hedge against that one. If we could eliminate the fractured part, the technology piece, the funding piece, well, then the the peer-to-peer, almost peer pressure in a positive way would be the hedge against your own internal intrinsic motivators. Wow, that is, you, I don't, I mean, <laughs> you can't see it, but I was, as you were talking, I, I jotted a couple of notes of just things I didn't want to lose sight of. And you, and you sort of touched on them, right? This idea of peer pressure kind of, you know, came to mind for me. But, but again, you're doing it in a very positive way through, through how you outline this. And, and I was going to ask you a bit to sort of dive in deeper on this concept of, of how hyper-personal this can be, but you, you sort of touched on that as, as well. I mean, it's really well thought out. And, and I'm curious if you, if you think about 16,000 employer groups that you're, you're interacting with today, what's the feedback been from, from employers? And you know, if you've got any stats, I'm sure there's some probably top of mind that maybe would be good for our audience to hear around you know, how those metrics are illustrating that satisfaction and and the good work you're all doing, feel free to share it. Be really easy to tell you the good stories, but I almost want to tell you a bad story to explain how well-received it's been, right? So I could tell you, we regularly have, you know, 80 plus on our net promoter score, 
typically we come in and double the engagement rates from any previous, you know, wellness fitness program that they've had, right? That's, you can always see that in our marketing and our literature. And I think that's fantastic. What I think from a behavioral point is so interesting is we've been at this for 10 years now and our entire 10 year history, this past month, we migrated the whole platform. And if you've ever migrated platform, you know, there's bugs, glitches, right? All of that. To see how fervently people <laughs> pinged us. And we're like, I, I I, can't not have access to it, right? It was so amazing. And, and it was funny because our employers and health plans we were talking to said the fact that whatever disruption happened during, you know, when you migrated showed you how fervently people have just gravitated to this benefit. They just want the benefit back. They just want it back to normal, right? Yeah, they're depending on it. Yeah, it was so interesting because, you know, they made the great point, which is if they didn't really like it or they didn't use it, they wouldn't be upset that you had, you know, taken it away from them for a day. So I thought that was while, you know, it was a very painful time because we don't like our users to be disrupted. I thought it was so interesting that withholding it from them caused just such a huge uproar. There is someone who Todd knows, of course, who always said, I intend to give this out as part of our benefit. And I'm hoping it's so sticky that if I ever try to take it away, they're going to run into the HR room with our yoga mats and hit our HR director until they get it back, right? And this last month was actually the real life version of that. Like I said, painful at the time, not worth joking about then. But now looking back, it's like, that's the real example. Once again, you can have net promoter scores and people be happy and engagement numbers, but like, to almost see what happens when they don't have it after they've been given it was a better indicator of, I think, the, the good nerve that we were hitting within the industry. Yeah, that you'd started to develop a habit with folks. That's awesome. Well, so I have to ask you, you know, fitness as an industry saw a lot of change in the last year adapting to the pandemic. So I'm wondering, you know, as fitness studios were closed and gyms were closed over the last year, just how did the the COVID-19 pandemic impact you guys? And, and what was your approach? And are there any, I guess, learnings or new opportunities or silver linings that came out of that experience? Sure. Well, look, I say this as a business owner and, you know, just as a human, COVID-19 was horrible, right, for humanity, whether your business was destroyed, whether you lost loved ones, whether people just got sick, right? There, there was a lot of terrible things. However, also from a business perspective, it shined a light on inefficiency in businesses. It shined a light on maybe some legacy things that had been around too long. And once again, as a business owner, it was an amazing opportunity. It was an amazing slap in the face, right? To say, look at all these things that are inside of your business that could be better. And what it allowed us to do was to really look at what users were moving towards. As I mentioned, we had already had streaming inside of our experience that people could do. You don't want to go to the gym. You want to do streaming. Great. That was already in the PeerFit experience. So when gyms all universally shut down you know, in March 2020, we still had experiences for people to do. Then kind of you know, blossoming over the course of a month is tens of thousands of studio owners, these you know, fractured network, had to close their physical doors and they all went on Zoom and were coaching through Zoom. Well, we allowed our people to spend perfect credits on doing Zoom workouts. I don't like at-home workouts myself. I like to be out and about. And I was doing them, right? I mean, 
it was great. We're, Laura, you and I are in Florida. I mean, sure, you can go work out and run whenever you want to. But, I, you know, you did miss that element of class. And, and I know from an engagement perspective, my staff, who all lives across the country, we were planning our classes together. Hey, who wants to do the 3 p.m. yoga class from New York City? Great. Who wants to do the Saturday morning boot camp from New York City? Great. And we would, you know, get together and do these Zoom workouts. So, you know, there was this interesting element from a digital perspective. Luckily, we were already set up. I know there was a lot of businesses, fitness and non-fitness, right, who were caught off guard because they were never set up for, you know, digital. And in our industry of, of the fitness side, I thought a lot of gyms and studios were actively fighting digital. They were actually putting an effort to try to stop it rather than some who are just kind of neutral on it. And it forced five years worth of adoption compressed into probably five weeks. So what we learned was people got normalized into using Zoom. I think our data shows that as each representative state opened, you saw people going back you know, to the gyms and studios in person. But this whole, you know, I remember reading articles like, is Peloton going to kill all of the in-person fitness industry? As if when gyms opened up, people are going to not want to get back out. I mean, once again, we're in Florida, so we know people have been out and about and they've enjoyed being out and about. They don't, they didn't enjoy being cooped up. They didn't enjoy, you know, being stuck in their homes. And so I think what you now see is an interesting overlap of people will return to in-person and they'll do digital rather than it used to be this either or they're now they're more comfortable with it. So the days that they're tired or it's cold weather or it's raining or their you know kids are you know not letting them travel across town to go work out, they'll say, oh yeah, there's this service I built a relationship with in COVID, right? Service X. Let me turn that on and and you know stream from my living room. So that's what I think the impact is going to be both long term and a bit short term. But we're seeing people are returning big time. As states open up, we are seeing people return. I wouldn't say to completely before numbers, probably 70 to 80% of, of before. But you know, I've talked with different our fitness partners, and some of them have membership numbers that are lower, but their revenues are higher. So I'm going to use an example, and they'll be totally nameless here. There's a major fitness brand who says, we've got 80% of the membership, but our members higher because the people that have come back have joined unlimited rather than just doing the four pack or the 10 pack a month. So, you know, 80% of the people, but a higher percentage of them have bought up to do unlimited because they're just so ready to get back into fitness. So that's great. So if you think about the last year and you gave us a sense for, you know, how that impacted you know, pure fit and, and sort of the world around us, maybe take it even further into the future. What, what's next for pure fit? So I'd say there's two sides here, right? Which is one side of our business we haven't talked about today, which is us going into Medicare Advantage. And that was because the health plans we had been working with on under 65 commercial said, we love working with you. You've been very disruptive. We've seen great rates. Man, I wish you could go into that side. And we see huge growth opportunity in the over 65 space. And, and we've doubled that line of business every year in a row for three years. So that's that's a great thing that that we're seeing from that perspective. But if we if we stick to the under 65 side, I mean, think about you got a lot of people remote. Some people are going back, some people are never going back. You have to rethink how you've got a benefits package because. There were people before that said, oh, no, no, no. All of our people are in one site. I'm just going to do either a gym on site or there's a gym across the street 
which first of all, I always told them was a terrible idea because some people don't want to work out with every single person in their office. Some people want to go hang out with other friends, go across town, what's the latest and greatest, right? When you really limit them to just one choice, one brand, it's fairly problematic from a long-term engagement perspective. But now when even the biggest companies that will have offices allow X percent of their workforce to be remote on any given day, you need a benefit that can scale from a fractured perspective, right? Wherever they are and move with them. And so our network is nationwide. We've got thousands and thousands of locations. And Mike, it doesn't matter if you fly across the country to Toledo tomorrow or to Tampa the next day, PeerFit goes with you, right? There's no in-network, out-of-network. When you think about like a health plan you know, perspective, your credits go with you. Maybe some places you know, are more credits because New York City is more expensive than Tampa and so on. Laura would be in a tough spot because Miami is much more expensive than Tampa. I'd get way more classes than she would. But, you know, that's what we see is more traditional places that maybe we weren't a fit for before. We start to become a fit for them as they evolve to a distributed workforce. So we see a lot of opportunity there. And, you know, I think what we really want to focus in on is, is doubling down on the ability to hold people's hands and get them into an experience that's right for them, whether it's in person, whether it's, you know, at home. But I think really investing more and more into the machine learning aspect of using our data to help people find the best classes and experiences for them and their peers. That's fascinating. As you think about, you know, transitioning the the behavior, the digital behavior behind all of this from a fully in-person workforce to maybe a, a distributed or partially distributed workforce and how your fitness routine does have to adjust. I think we've all, you know, had a little shuffle in how we've been thinking about working out at home and now starting to work out again in person and in different places. And so it will be really interesting to see how you guys evolve your experience over the years. Yeah. If I could interrupt about that, there's an amazing point, which is there's a statistic that a significantly high number of people will work out within five miles of their home or their office. And generally speaking, if they're going to the office, the office takes the default. Okay. Well, now that people have for a year plus been spending significantly more time at home, how many of them grew the attachment to the one within the five miles of their home and not five miles within their office? So, so now maybe they do return to the office, but instead of working out at that you know, CrossFit studio a mile from the office, they're going to drive home to their side of town, then go to CrossFit studio that's right next to their house because that's the one they've grown more fond of during this time. So even people that have stayed active, I can, you know, I'll speak for myself. I've changed which side of town I'm going to during COVID as well, just because traffic is different than it was, you know, back in, in pre-COVID times. So I see it within myself, I see it within my friends, but we knew that statistic when we try to analyze an employer and give recommendations to them. That's what's so critical is, you know, on our eligibility files, we know where the individuals live, but really more important is centering around that physical office, because that's the thing that takes precedent from a mapping perspective, even more so than where each of those members live. That's really interesting. And I, it just goes to show how your focus on 
behavior, digital behavior and real life behavior, as well as using technology and all of the data that comes from that is positioning you guys to navigate a changing landscape and whatever we might, you know, might shift or whatever might change in the future. I think that's really, that's really great. Well, so Ed, the last question that we always ask our guests, because everyone who comes on the show is such an incredible leader, is about a book or a resource that had a profound impact on you in your professional growth journey. I'm just wondering if there's something that really unlocked something for you that you can recommend to our listeners. Ooh, good question. I read about two books a month. So, you know, reading a book at you know, different times in your life has totally different impacts on you. There are books that I will read at one time and it's kind of like, oh, it's average. Then maybe you're going through something different in your life and you read it a year or two later and it, you know, it just hits you differently. I've, I, look, I love all of Malcolm Gladwell's books. I, I think they, they give just great insights into how to think about the world. I think Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger was a sensational book. I'm a huge Disney fan. I'm a huge Bob Iger fan. I think he's one of the best CEOs we've seen in the modern era. And to read this book about, you know, someone who's the CEO of one of the largest brands in the world and to kind of extrapolate it down and say, oh, wow, you know, he goes through those things as a CEO. Other people go through that. You know, it was just a bit reassuring sometimes, right? There, there's, there's a lot of playbooks and there's a lot of college courses for this profession or that profession. There aren't a lot of them for being a CEO because it means such a different thing in every industry. So I just thought that was just a, a really fascinating read. And I encourage whether you're a CEO or not, I highly encourage people to read it. That the behind the scenes of Iger's story at ABC Disney was just one of the most fascinating, I, I think, that I've ever come across. Awesome. Yeah, we I love biographies and we've actually gotten a lot of biography recommendations here on the show. So, so that's great. I'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes about this episode. And so, Ed, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate you being here and helping us sort of dig into PeerFit and and wellness benefits and and how we can sort of help employees navigate the changes we've all been through recently while keeping you know, their fitness habits and their, their activity in a good place. So, so this was great. Awesome. Thank you. So Mike, lots, lots of discussion here about wellness benefits. I'm wondering what are a couple of the key takeaways that you, that you're taking away from our conversation today? Well, the, I've got two, but the, the fact that they're working with 16,000 employer groups, just shout out to Ed and, and the whole team at PeerFit. That's it's really awesome. It's just great to see the, the company, really good people have success and, and do the good work that they're doing. So two things. One, this concept that wellness is hyper-personal and, and seems basic, but it's a great reminder that it really is. And, and you know, just in my own household, right? What, what I like to do is very different than what my wife and daughter like to do. And, you know, magnify that across an employee population. It's really a, a great reminder. And, and again, not all that different than what we've talked about here at Brella around how to allow employees to personalize or customize their insurance products or services or what, you know, what, what we're doing here at Brella. Clearly, same case on the wellness front. 
And then, you know, we asked Ed to talk a little bit more about this concept of fractured fitness. And, and he explained a little more there and, and the fully funded fitness concept. And I just, I really like it because it made sense. It is the world we've lived in and what options we've had around us. And, you know, just give these guys a lot of credit for how they've leveraged technology to remove the obstacles and remove some of those challenges that, that may have existed. So, you know, really, really good stuff there. How about for you? Yeah, I love the way that Ed spoke about the impacts of the pandemic and how this highlighted some inefficiencies, both in businesses and in fitness studios. And so really, you know, giving all of these studios an opportunity to improve their digital experience and that happening at the same time that we suddenly have a need to connect virtual teams. I think that's so interesting for, you know, getting active people used to working out at home or using a a digital class happening at the same time that so many of us are working remotely with people that live in different places. And I love PeerFit's model of being able to connect with your peers and work out together. So suddenly virtual teams can work out together with a digital experience. Like how cool is that that that's happened? And, And what he said about how we've had five years of adoption progress in in five weeks or, or really in, in the past year, you know? So I think it's really interesting to see where that will go in the future. And the other thing that I really appreciate about what they're doing is, you know, they're not just a fitness technology company. They're a fitness behavior technology company. And we've talked a lot about this at Brella, how you can't just put technology on an insurance product or a benefit and call it a day. You have to go back to the consumer's need and the real problems that are happening, whether that's, oh, I don't have a membership to the same gym as my coworkers, so we can't work out together. You know, these are the kinds of things that we learn when we do human centered design, when we actually look at, at the behavior research, as Ed and his team have done. And that is how you design a better benefit. And you use technology to give people better access to look at the data, but you still have to have those conversations and get really close to the consumer to understand what their needs are. And I just love that PeerFit has done that and has used technology to create solutions that meet real needs on a team, you know? Yeah, I love it. That's that's so well said. And, And again, just another proof point around how you bring it all together, right? What a great, what a great show. I really, really loved Ed's comments. Good stuff. Now we need to go work out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, if you'd like to connect with Ed, you can visit peerfit.com or you connect with them on LinkedIn or Instagram. And I'll also add those links and a link to the book that Ed mentioned to our show notes, which you can find on joinbrella.com. Also, if you'd like to get in touch with Mike or learn more about Brella, visit our website at joinbrella.com or email us at sales at joinbrella.com. Thanks so much, folks. Have a good day. Visit joinbrella.com slash podcast for notes from today's show. And if you liked the episode, share it with a colleague. This helps us spread the word. Be sure to subscribe or follow in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss our next episode. And that's a wrap. This is Laura Cave and Mike Zarillo from the Better Benefits Podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great week.